When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door! Winning! No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. El más grande de todos los tiempos. Messi, Messi, gol. El torneo de fútbol más prestigioso de nuestro hemisferio. 16 países. 14 ciudades. Un continente. Los ojos del mundo están en... ¡Gol! ¡Goloso! La Copa América. Comenzando el 20 de junio a las 7.6 Centro 4 Pacífico por Univision. Motherhood is incredible, and it is also very hard. Very hard. Imagine doing it alone. Today, we chat with Alexandria Ott, founder and CEO of Chrome City Creative Studio, about her journey as a single mom and her lessons in co-parenting. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hello, Pamela. Hello, hello. Good. Hi, Karen. I'm so sad. So Karen is not in the studio with me today. So of course, I was a big mess trying to connect, trying to get everything together. I didn't realize how dependent I am on Karen for a lot of things. So I'm just celebrating and honoring her today. Just a little extra more. I miss you. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I had a had a little medical procedure yesterday, um, which is going to be part of my motherish moment. So I'm just going to jump into my motherish moment because because um, why not? So yesterday was the first time that I have ever been under general anesthesia, like where they completely like put you to sleep. And like, I know this is like a, like we have to be like sensitive about this because obviously we have to be conscious of like, you know, it can be a very addicting drug. And I think, then I started reading about how like Michael Jackson was like addicted to this. And he had like his personal anesthesiologist that would like use this medication to put him to sleep for like the last two years of his life, which was like crazy. But on a lighter note, like I was afraid because my only experience with anesthesia was for the C-section and that was like a nightmare. And I was like vomiting and on the table while they were like putting Victoria on me. And I was like, like I was like, hello, baby, nice to meet you. Also that. But it was so different. And people were like, oh, like it's gonna be the best sleep you've ever had, whatever. Let me tell you, all of yesterday, I was just like, I wanna live like this all the time. One, my husband was like, I wish I could have you like this all the time. Like you're super easygoing. Like you're not nervous about anything. Like everything is like, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he took a video of me, like right when I first like woke up and I sat up and I looked at him and I go, these are the good drugs. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was like, he's like, oh my God, mind you, I have never done a single drug. I like, I mean, I, I socially drink alcohol, but like I've literally never smoked weed. I've never done anything. And I, this was just like, wow, I feel so good. And I felt like 
so well rested. I mean, it was amazing. I had a really great experience and like, if at any point, I mean, I obviously I hope not for anything serious, but like if at any point I have to go under again, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of look, kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> you know what? One of the things that I miss the most about pre-motherhood life is actually taking, you know, when you have a cold and you have a really bad headache at night, sometimes I would take like the medicine, like the, the PM version, right? Or nighttime. And since I'm not, again, I don't really take a lot of drugs or even medication, it really, really would kick in really heavily on me. So I would daze into this deep, profound sleep, you know, that it felt like I was sleeping for days. But ever since I had Ford, and because I'm usually alone with him at night, I'm so afraid to take anything that would put me into that deep sleep. So, I mean, I'm a great sleeper, but I've never, ever gone into that, you know, never, whatever, never again. nighttime, PM. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like I'm going to go on vacation and I'm going to, take some type of like sleeping because it, it is a different type of sleep you know but but I do miss that but I'm glad you're doing well and I'm glad everything went well and I'm excited about our guest today and we'll introduce her in a second but let me jump really quick into my motherish moment of the week so I think I've spoken about this before where I was getting a little nervous about Ford when he was a lot younger about his speech obviously I was comparing a lot of it with like Victoria who was very verbal very early on which is Karen's daughter so you know they're exactly a year apart so I always use like a benchmark okay in a year he'll be here in a year he'll be there so when he was 16 months and I realized he was not you know I, I had him evaluated and I wanted to get some speech therapy and everyone was still like listen you don't need it he doesn't need it you're getting a little too anxious do not compare be patient. So by 18 months, I pushed it again, you know, and he's like, listen, a lot of this is receptive. He's, you know, everything he understands, he's doing great. He communicates, but I, I pushed it so much that by the time he was, you know, I think it was two years. I was like, okay, I want to start therapy to kind of help him accelerate it. I know earlier this week, Ford finally um, evaluated perfect for his age. So it was a big, win. a big win. I know. So I was so excited. I was so emotional. And again, this is just speech. And I, the teacher always tell me that I was being like, you know, I was stressing more than I should. But I'm just happy that he's per like he's at his age level. And we're just going to continue to keep working on it. It's a little big win for him and for me. And I appreciate when people put us at bay as mothers to not worry. But I also am like kind of the opposite where I'm like, we know in our intuition what needs to happen. And... I don't care what it manifests as or what type of anxiety level it comes out as. At the end of the day, I 100% trust all women's intuition about their children, 100%. So yeah, good totally. for you for testing it out and knowing it in your heart and seeking out what you felt was right. And then look, it all turned out okay, but you still listen to your gut and that's like the most important part. Absolutely. So we have today Alexandra Oto joining us. Um, and before we introduce her, why don't we have her share her motherish moment of the week. Hi, Alexandra. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here today. Oh, my gosh. Well, mine is a little oopsie. So um, I went to Cabo San Lucas for the first time ever for my 37th birthday. We did my first all-inclusive. Fine. I felt like I was, wow. Like, it was so phenomenal, by the way. I don't know what I was, I was thinking it was because it was all inclusive, like maybe the food wasn't gonna be so great or I don't know, it was fabulous. 
fabulous. Oh, good. Yeah, so while we were there, my kids, my son Henry, who's six, and my daughter Lennon, who's one and a half, were with my mom and my stepdad Mark, and Henry lost his tooth at school while we were gone. And so I assumed that my mom was gonna do the tooth fairy duties, which somehow didn't happen. And then we got back and I forgot. And he um, said, I don't know what happened, mom. And then he showed me his tooth and it's still there. And I looked at my partner, Jason, and I was like, and he's been sleeping in the guest bed because it's bigger. And I said, you know what? She doesn't know you switched rooms. Oh my gosh, we have to like tell her. So we did like a little weird, I don't know, like tooth fairy. <laughs> and I go to sleep the next night and my partner comes up and he's like, did you do the dollars? And I go, oh my God, I forgot. And thank you God for my partner, Jason. He remembered, but it was definitely a moment where I almost ruined the tooth fairy for my son and he lost his second tooth. So um, it's just a reminder of like how many hats we hold that like the last oh, thing yes. I was thinking about was putting $2. I was just thinking about getting some actual good rest, but it's just a part of that invisible load that we hold as mothers. So that's my motherish moment. Yes. Also, I didn't I realize that. that they lose teeth at six already. So I have to like, put yes. that like, oh my God, oh my God. Two teeth already. Yeah, it's happening. Tres ganadores. Cada uno de ellos se ha ganado 200 millones de pesos. A la familia Pérez, Uriarte y Ortiz se les cumple el sueño. Prométeme que el dinero nunca te va a cambiar. Te juro que siempre voy a ser ese hombre del que tú te enamoraste. Pero con la suerte también llegan los problemas. Lástima que van a perderlo todo. Golpe de suerte de lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Well, thank you for joining us. So Alexandra is the founder and CEO of Chrome City Creative Studio. She's a mommy of two. And like she mentioned, she wears so many hats. And I love that she's here with us to share her personal journey, not only professionally, but also personally. I think we talk a lot about motherhood. And I think in the two years that we've been, you know, recording our podcast, I don't think we've actually ever focused an episode on single motherhood. So I think it was long overdue. Um, obviously, this is, you know, my personal journey as well. And, and I feel like it's so hard to actually define what single motherhood is and how extreme it is. And I think people have this like stereotypical image of like the mom who's like struggling and it's like, you know, and I, and I want to expand that definition to a lot of different type of single mothers, you know, and I think now when we're in a season or a time where we see a lot of single motherhood by choice, right? We have a lot of women who are choosing to be single moms because they don't want to wait to meet the right partner. You know, some of them are single moms, not by choice, which is another emotional toll that they have to carry with them. And it's just so many different faces and scenarios that really fall under this huge, I think, umbrella now. So welcome, Alexandra. Thank you for joining us. Why don't we start a little bit with Henry, your first journey with motherhood, your first son. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This is such a joy and I'm just very grateful because I love sharing stories, but I also think that the more you share your story, the more you're also able to heal yourself. And so not only am I grateful to be able to speak to two incredible mothers, but also to just have these moments to be able to share with other women. So I'm originally from San Diego, which is where I am today, but I lived in Chicago for 10 years at the sort of peak of my career um, from about the age of 25. I moved out there 
and I had a, a large agency, Chrome City, and very long story short, I was I had my big 30th birthday celebration. Um, my mom flew out and I said, isn't it so crazy that at this point in your life you are pregnant with me and I'm so far away from anything like that? I was like serial single gal. I just didn't have a lot of relationships. My relationship was my work. I'm definitely a workaholic. I, I'm a, it's like my hobby. I love it. So a few weeks later, I found out I was pregnant and it was a complete shock, a complete shock because I wasn't, you know, I had dated somebody for two months. We were very safe minus one time and that even that one time didn't produce the type of thing that you think needs to happen to get pregnant, to be totally frank. I mean, it was shocking. And even when I told him, he was like, there's no way. And I was like, yes. And I had never been pregnant in my whole life. So I really thought I did, I couldn't get pregnant. The percentage of chance that I was getting pregnant was so small, and yet I did. And I was 30 years old at the peak of my career, single, living in Chicago, you know, out a lot, working in nightclubs. You know, I, I represented a lot of nightclubs in the nightlife world. And it's very adult life out there. It's not a family life. Chicago's rough. It's tough. It's intense. It's dark. It's deep. It's thick. And I just felt very connected to the soul of this thing inside of me from the second I found out. I mean, there was like not even the thought of not having it for some reason. And so there's a song by Lauren Hill called Zion and the words are very identical. It says like, Lauren, baby, think about your career. You know, like, what are you doing basically? How can you do this? And uh, it was like that, you know, my friends were like, you know, you don't have to do this, right? I mean, what are you proving or why? And and I just, I felt peaceful about it. I don't know what it was. And, you know, of course, once I had him um, and I was alone, it was so intense that there was this wave of regret and this wave of like, how did I not weigh the option? How did I not know? How could I have been so stupid? And for the first time in my life, like shame to feel like, how did I think this was just going to be okay? You know, and it turned out to be okay, but it was so incredibly difficult. So... I was in communication with his biological father for the first two months of the pregnancy, and then it just stopped. And I knew that I didn't want, I was, I had no feelings of love for him, so I feel really grateful. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like brokenhearted and pregnant, you know, but I know that the energy and the pregnancy affects the child so much, and I was so cognizant of that that I let it go. And I didn't call him, I wasn't rushing to try to figure out how he was going to be part of this. I just, I just wanted peace. And so I just had to, you know, release that. And so I did. And I was pregnant. And, you know, there were so many things around that. Not having a ring on my finger, being pregnant, working in this world, being a powerful woman who's pregnant, who doesn't have a partner. And there was a lot of a lot of feelings. In fact, I'm really working through a lot of them right now through therapy, like a PTSD of basically like a lot of trauma. And I had my son in January in a cold day in Chicago, and it was a little bit of a traumatic birth. And um, we got through it, and we were together. And you know, I raised him for about a year and a half by myself in Chicago before I decided to move home to be closer to family, and that changed everything. That was that was the game changer. It's so hard for me. Family was everything, and I've mentioned before with the pandemic was a blessing in disguise for me because it kind of forced everyone to be grounded and trapped with me and my newborn inside my house. But it's, you talk a lot about a, a lot of heavy topics, you know, about shame, about 
you know, the guilt about, you know, questioning whether you made the right decision, because when you're the thick of it, especially the first few weeks and months, is very hard. What do you think, like you mentioned, at the end, you look back and everything turns out okay. But when you're the thick of it, what do you think got you through it? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough that I was 30 years old, you know, so I wasn't a young woman. I was a woman that knew herself, you know, I... I was raised by a very confident mother and I've always had confidence. And so I can't say that what I'm about to say is, you know, prescribed to all, but I knew myself so well. I had lived through so many different lives, if you will, at age 30 that I literally had to take it one day at a time. I had to fail in parts of my business and let parts of my life go, dreams go. So I'd say like one, letting go to taking it one day at a time, which sounds so cliche, but it really, in those moments of survival, is necessary. And three, I had to ask for and find help because I was not okay. And I and I found an incredible nanny um, that saved my life. And, you know, a good team of people that worked for me that were okay when I had to leave. So those would probably be the ways that I got through it. And of course, my mom who would fly out. Hearing your testimony and everything, it sounds very similar to just the general experience of like the more traditional experience of becoming a mother when you're a successful person, independent and everything. But it's like all of those things, I think, in the situation, if you're alone, are just exasperated to a whole other level, you know, because I think, I mean, I can relate to you on those accounts. However, I had, you know, I was lucky enough to have a partner who was there and was like, I mean, specifically, I feel very lucky because my husband, it's more than just like, I'm here, what do I do? Did you ever feel bad times in the complaining to people? Because I feel like for some reason, I felt like I couldn't vent with anyone because... God forbid, God forbid, like, like I wanted to, I feel like overcompensate and correct me if I'm wrong, if that was your experience, like, hey, I got this, I'm going back to work, his dad was very involved, but it's still not the same when you don't, the scenario is different, but I think it's also grieving the idea of the family that you wanted to have, right, I think for me, a lot of it was having to work through those feelings of grief and kind of like, like, yeah, I would say this, like divorce. And also I think like this part of my life, single motherhood was like going to a funeral when no one really dies, but you're still like mourning something that you can't really, it's like an intangible, right? So like, did you ever feel like you couldn't really complain or vent because you were going to be judged extra? I don't really care about what other people think. I think I was born with this exceptional, lucky, I don't care what people think, but I knew nobody could possibly understand. So I what was the point of being like, and also I didn't want to like trauma dump on people because it was so heavy that I was like, I would often like tell a story and people, you know, their eyes would be like, oh shit, man, I don't know how you deal with that. And then it kind of felt like pity in their face, which is the last thing I wanted to see. It was my choice. And so I think that survival mode clicked in and people would say, oh my God, how are you doing this? And I was like, we got this. And I felt that way in the moment. I felt like we got this. But looking back, I was really putting on like this shell of armor to just get through each day. Has the father ever had contact again? This shit is mind blowing to me. Like how a human being can know that like, they have another, my mother's father, so I guess my, my maternal grandfather left my grandmother pregnant. And 
changed the channel, moved on with his life, continued to have other children, which all came together later on in life and had to do a DNA test in their 40s to figure out, like, are we all the same because we are all, like, abandoned children of this man? But, like, it just blows my mind how you can exist in life knowing that you have a child, like, and not... It's so crazy to me. I'll I'll never... The only way that I can understand it is midlife crisis, narcissist, or sociopath. I don't know. That's all I got. (laughs) But I will say that, like, all my guy friends when I was pregnant, because I'm very, like, alpha, I'm very masculine, and so I really love my female friends, but really in that time, I actually felt like I got the most support that felt right for me for my male friends and a lot of them were like you're better off you know without having to have this person who may have those qualities dragged through your life forever and of course the triumphant moment of the whole story is that we got to move home by the beach be near our family and then I found the love of my life who now really has stepped into the role as dad and is all Henry has ever known as a father. So there's a beautiful part, but then the challenging part is like, there is going to be the day where the question is asked. And when I was pregnant with him, you wouldn't believe how many people we, I talk about this with friends all the time, how just brazen people are to give it, you know, facts, information, and tips when you're like pregnant or with a baby or with child, you know? And people would always say when I was pregnant, what are you going to tell him? And I'm like, First of all, none of your business. And second of all, I don't know yet. You know, like I can come up with a whole narrative and then we're in the grocery store line and he asked me the question and I say what's on my heart, you know? So I got that a lot. That was probably one of the more annoying things. What are you going to tell him? Like, I don't know. I'm just going to love him and we'll figure it out. When I was uh, pregnant, I came across this article. I can't remember where I read it. It could be like the New York Magazine, but it was about how it was about single motherhood and how people react as a single motherhood based on why you have become a single mom, right? So the mom who's a widow gets a lot of empathy, gets a lot of support, gets a lot of help indirectly. It was interesting, like the psychology behind how people react to your journey of motherhood and why you're single as a mom, it was very judgmental, you know, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And I, I kind of, I understood that, you know, it's kind of like you were responsible. You didn't think about this, you know, you or you chose to do it or it's your choice. It's just... There's so many barriers, I think, that we have to confront and face because of, you know, how we got there. I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I remember reading that article and I remember thinking, yes, that is so right. And and it should not be like that. I think we do need extra help. Maybe we don't like to ask for it, but we do need the help. And and even there's times where even though I did find myself and I care knows is like really celebrating myself. Like I gave myself a lot of grace and I really celebrated and I was very grateful for, you know, Ford's dad is very involved and we're very close, 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 intense relationship, but it's still not the scenario that I ideally wanted or that, you know, I believe in marriage. I wanted a very traditional, normal family and it's very unconventional, but it's working for us and it's working for Ford and we just, you know, making the best out of it. But it was very difficult. Those first months trying to like 
admitting that I needed extra help, like even just to like shower, you know, until I was just like, I need someone to just come and sit with the baby because I need to shower and it doesn't fall under the dad schedule. So it's not, you know, so. Right. You're kind of like frozen in like this moment of, and that can be across the board with motherhood, right? Like whether you have a partner who's there to help while you're showering or not, it's just such an intense time that no one can ever prepare you for, no matter what the situation is, you know, and and, and even when you were just saying, like, grieving the the ideal or what you thought, you know, but even then, you know, now I have everything that I would have pictured, and it's still really hard. And, you know, there was moments where I was alone with him, and I didn't have to worry about making a big dinner or making out yeah. or looking back. <laughs> you know, there were so many moments that I was like, this is nice. I like it just being me and him. And so I could always find the good in that, you know, but now I have the other side of it, and it's wonderful, but it's it's also intense and it's also more work. And so I think everything is always like really relative. And I think every situation of being a single mother or a mother in general, all are valid. They're just different experiences. And that's why I appreciate podcasts like this, because we're able to just share those things. Ya regresó la venta para amigos y familiares de JCPenney con 30% de descuento extra por toda la tienda. Esos son ahorros por encima de nuestros precios ya bajos. Ven con tus amigos y familiares y ahorren en grande. Y recuerda, el Día de los Padres es el 16 de junio. Y en JCPenney puedes encontrar el regalo perfecto, desde ropa, calzado, artículos de cuidado personal y más. JCPenney, vale la pena. Cupón válido del 3 al 9 de junio en selección de estilos. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. Tres ganadores. Cada uno de ellos se ha ganado 200 millones de pesos. A la familia Pérez, Uriarte y Ortiz se les cumple el sueño. Prométeme que el dinero nunca te va a cambiar. Te juro que siempre voy a ser ese hombre del que tú te enamoraste. Pero con la suerte también llegan los problemas. Lástima que van a perderlo todo. Golpe de suerte de lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. How was your experience with your daughter? I don't know, were you present in the moment and aware of like the big differences? And, and I'm sure, you know, even as a woman, you're so much different, like after motherhood too, right? So I feel like the second time around is, is another game. It is, it is. My pregnancy with her was like easy breezy and the birth was crazy easy. And so it felt, I always, I felt like my son when I was pregnant with him was my soulmate and I felt like when I was pregnant with my daughter like she wasn't really gonna need me. I know this sounds so weird but it's just like my deep intuition. She didn't really need me but she was being put on this earth to teach me something like I was to follow her like she was guru. And so therefore, and I'm a deeply like sensitive, intuitive Pisces person so like whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter, it's true for my soul. And when she was born, I felt distant from her. I felt like I loved her, but I didn't feel that closeness that I felt with Henry. And I really struggled because I thought, did I feel close to Henry because we were born, we found each other through a traumatic situation? And am I trauma bonding with my son or am I genuinely close to him and it's just different? And is it gender? Is it firstborn? Like I've already had that connection, so it's second. Or is it female to female? I'm kind of like sussing you out and my boy is my fucking dude, you know? Like what's the difference? Am I allowed to swear on yes. this? <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing was her father had always wanted to be a dad 
like if you ever met him he just is a walking dad he's just such a dad and so he got to step in and he got to have that connection and he got to have the bond and i got to step back and watch it and be okay with it because they had something that her and I didn't have and it wasn't my first child so it didn't bother me because I had that with my son and it sounds weird but like I was totally cool with her not her and I not having that attachment right away and I have to say she's one and a half and we're developing it and it's the strongest right now like she's really just now going towards me but I will say every night that I rock her I know how fast the time goes because with Henry, it was so chaotic and I was so PTSD overwhelmed that I was just rocking to get to bed and get back to work and it was so robotic. And with my daughter, I'm very present. I feel like I look at every little part of her face and I know that it's changing every day. So I definitely think that second child is just so different than the first. That's so amazing because I, so I have, you just said a few things that I'm actually like afraid of. Like I don't talk about, I don't actually like say these things out loud, but that's why we're here <laughs> on this podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, but like, so, you know, we are about to go through a few rounds of like insemination and we're, you know, exploring intervention to help us have another baby and a part of me someone the other day was like well do you want a boy or a girl which like to me like I'm just like oh I don't care like whatever yeah but then I was like oh my god what happens if I get a boy I don't know anything about a boy like do I am I gonna be a good boy mom like yes but then like what if they're like and then and then on that same day that I was having those thoughts I went to the playground was with some of my mom friends here in the neighborhood and there's a lot of like young three-year-old boys that hang out as part of this group. We have this crazy group, like whatever, lots of kids, they're all the same age. And the moms were like, oh my God, yeah, because my son now is like constantly like touching his balls. And I'm like, like, am I gonna have to deal with that? Like, and so my husband was there and he's, they started asking him like, oh, like, you know, when did you realize like you can't be doing that in public and blah, blah, blah. Like, when did you stop doing that? He's like, you never stop doing that. Like, it's just so comforting. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to have to teach a kid like about this and like, they're going to pee on me. Like there are all these thoughts. And I was like, oh my God. Right. And then what if I do have a boy and then I need to like get my shit together. And like, what if I don't love him the same? Like I, I just, all these crazy things that I'm like, who cares? I need to stop. I need to like stop right now and just let it be whatever it is, you know. Well, and like not to be so like progressive liberal, but it is a construct and you can have so many variations of the type of boy or man. Yeah. It's just like the type of woman or girl she is, you know, and it's, it's still always that connection of like, like my mom always says, like your son is your biggest crush you've ever had and your daughter's like the best friend you've ever had, which, you know, best friends come with a lot of like tension and sort of tough times but yeah. it's still your best and your boys just like, I don't know, I hate to say it. I'm sure you can relate Pamela, but it's like, you can do no wrong. Like he's just the love of my life, like obsessed, obsessed. I'm happy to hear that it doesn't fade, you know, with the years because the obsession is intense. And like when you were talking about when he arrived, when Ford arrived too, it just, he was the perfect soul that I needed at that moment. Same, it's special. Um. And I just feel like they like like they arrive with a purpose and at the perfect time and and even their personalities are just exactly what you need at that moment, you know. And 
nice way top. I was just looking forward and he was just like perfect. He's like this yummy, delicious boy who's like so loving. He's like, you know, has a tough character, but he like challenges me, but he he just fills me with love every day and it's just he was exactly what I needed. You know, and I feel like these boys come with, you know, with purpose, with so much purpose in life. And I always say this, but I, I can't get tired of, of repeating it and saying it because it just feels, you know, like an extra bond, an extra connection. He's like mutually obsessed with his mom as well. How could he not uh, be? I'm just Hello. grateful. I know, I know. <laughs> it's one of the, it was this one night that my doctor said, because, you know, when people are like, you know, uh, whether, and again, whether you believe or not in abortion or termination or whatever it is, like I remember my doctor said this line, which stuck with me. He's like, listen, I've never had anyone come in here after they had a baby and say like, you know what? I shouldn't have, I regret it. I've had people come in and say, I should have kept the baby. I regret it. I feel so bad. Like I have this regret in my heart. It's going to be the right choice because I'm telling you, I've been practicing for, you know, 34 years. I've never had anyone after they had chose to have their baby come in here and tell me that. Yeah. Whereas I've had many women who, you know, and again, it, it kind of stuck in my head. I mean, like, you're right. It feels tough at some moments where you're like, oh, what was I thinking? But then you're like, of course, obviously it was the best thing I've ever done. There's a yeah. similar uh, selling point that my husband has used to push me to have another baby. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, yes, I'm ready. When I wasn't ready and we would have these conversations, he said one time we were out for a walk, just the two of us. We were like t- trying to take a breather and he was like, as hard as it is to have a child, the love that they bring outweighs the hardships. And I was like, I can't fight back with what you said. Why are you giving me these points that are so hard to debate? Like, I was like pissed. But I was like, damn, that shit like echoed in my head forever. Quick question. What was the hardest thing about dating again once you're a mom and once you have a son? You know, what were the things you were looking out for? What were your priorities? And so the first Well, I dated a friend because that felt safe. You know, somebody that I trusted. It wasn't like online and nothing against that. But the first person I dated was a friend who I really trusted. Therefore, when he was around Henry, it didn't feel like weird. It was just like, you already know him. You know, he's a friend of mine. You've met him before. That's how it started. Um, And then I dated a woman. I dated a woman for the first time ever. And... It felt also very safe and very comforting and it was a beautiful experience, but our lifestyles were not the same and I was ready to start really settling down. And after that breakup, I was very confused and I I asked the universe to like help me manifest what this next person was. What is he, he or her, you know, I'm bisexual smell like look like how do they talk to me how do um i've been talking to a lot of friends about manifesting their partners right like in the last few days this is a whole other episode pamela's like yeah, Sign me yeah. Up. Well, i i will come back for it because i'm i if you saw my pinterest board from like 10 years ago it is my partner it is crazy and also like when he touches you like what does your like body feel like like really manifesting like the calmness and the serene feelings that you have to just from his touch and I really just started doing that by no way of seeing it on TikTok or Instagram, just intuitively. And I kept getting this picture of this man and it kept growing and growing. And long story short, I'm on Hinge at night in my single mom house with my son where he goes to bed at seven and I have nothing to do all night. And um, <laughs> was filling it with like white wine and cigarettes for a long time and decided like, okay, I can't keep doing this. And so going through my phone and I saw him and I gasped. 
Um, it was him. It was like the picture. And so the dating was challenging. I found safe at first, safe in a way I had never known, which was through a female relationship. That was really nice. And then, you know, I dated one guy. There was no chemistry there and there was no, you know, that's just trial and error. And then there was Jason. And, you know, I think as you get older and you have children, you're not fucking around. You're mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. bad boy. We're, we're, yeah. we're women. We have a lot on the line. It's different. And so I think like you date smarter, you're more selective, you're more soulful, and you don't have time to to BS on, you know, a bad date or or not read the red flags. And so it was certainly a challenge, but I was never gonna let anybody kind of get in the way of the peaceful home life that I had created for my son. I love that. I love that. Have a- Are you dating? Um Are we talking about that? <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I just love being happy and um but I do wanna settle down. I do wanna the format I, I miss the formality of like a marriage and being, you know, I don't know, just like the traditional home. I'm a believer of that. I want it again. I want to get married again. And I'm very verbal about that. I'm not like, oh, I don't know. We'll see. No, I, and I would love to have another baby. I've said this. I want to give forward another sibling. I know I'd like my time is, my clock is ticking. So I kind of have to be more intentional about like, if this is what I want, who's going to lead me to that, you know? Maybe we'll do a little manifesting workshop. I know. That's why I'm like taking notes. I'm like, how does he smell? What does he smell? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You will find it and it will come. And it always comes in a package that you didn't expect, right? Like you get what you asked for and you're like, yeah, but like, like this, like this. And it's like, yeah, that's life. You know, like I want, I always pictured like, having this big agency I could picture it with the ocean like flowing through and like jazz and like deep house playing and the smell of coffee and a little boy running around like that was just this weird picture from the time I was like 10 and then all of a sudden I'm like here there he is running around my lofted studio in Chicago and I have it but it's so heavy but it's so big you know it's like this weird expansive beautiful like heart ripping open time to be alive and to be a mother and to be a businesswoman and there's no book before us our mothers had like the same friends and they didn't leave toxic men and we are the future pioneers right now and so like that's why the friendship episode that you guys had was so great because it's like we are holding on to each other as the storytellers of the pioneers as we move forward for this new generation of like female empowerment and femininity and motherhood and and it's it's intense but it's beautiful i love that i love that we're definitely writing a book on new things i'm gonna love this chapter with you alexandra because i think it's an important one and i love it also like i want to go hang out with you i don't know like i've never been to san diego but it looks really beautiful and i really want to go there Come out. We have a beautiful manifested, by the way, on my, um, we've every New Year's because we have kids now, we can't like go rage. I'm a stoner a little bit. And so I don't like to drink a lot, but I like to be a little high. So we will put the kids to sleep and we will get a little stone, maybe drink a little wine, put on some good music and we will start clipping magazines and we'll like do like a, a board. And I looked at it the other day, my whole life. It's all, it's all done. Like it's all there. Wow. Yeah, right. so come so hang out anytime we're in San Diego. You know, we really need to do an episode about manifesting, though. Like, for real, for real, Pamela. That's yeah. like all, like, you love this. Alexandria, this seems very natural for you. I don't have the same experience in the sense of, like, stepping into it. I've always been afraid of stepping into what I want or think or say because my whole life I think it 
it happens. And so I'm always like, oh, yeah, be careful of those see. thoughts because my husband, he can attest to this, but he's basically like, when Karen wants something, it happens. Every single thing that I have wanted has happened to the point where now I'm afraid of it. And I'm like, okay, right. so like, let's be careful, you know, what we think about, what we, what I want, because I, I do believe that it's very powerful, but I also like, sometimes I'm like, what if I attract the wrong thing, you know? Right, um, right. But we gotta, we gotta that. talk about that. We gotta, we gotta. Yeah, and I think one thing though in that, because I completely understand that, is also like taking a moment, and this is something I'm working on right now, of stepping, and this is really like what meditation is about, but like stepping back and being an observer of my thoughts versus being my thoughts, because that's the same, same for me. If I think it, it will happen. And so then you start to like slow down. Oh my gosh, I feel like it's scary. But when you do like meditational practices or any like mindfulness things, you start to step back and watch the thoughts. And therefore, I think you feel like you have a little bit more. I don't want to say control because the thought, you know, it's not to control your thoughts, but to manage where they sit. You know, I think that's where I'm kind of at, where I'm just like, I want to step back. And I also did EMDR, which is a type of therapy. And it's where you basically like move things in certain parts of your brain into like boxes. And you get to choose when you go into that box and open it to think about it. And that helped me a lot because I had a lot of thoughts that were like, I don't want to say obsessive, but they definitely were ever present in my mind honestly around friendships and like loss of friendships that I didn't know why and why don't they like me and what did I do wrong and like I was like I'm not really that insecure why am I being like that and the EMDR helps sort of like bring them into a place where I decide when I open the box to think about them so there's a lot of different mindfulness tools and tricks that also I think help with the manifestation and all of that. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. That's what EMDR is for anyone else that I was like, I need to Google this. It's great. Wow. If you've done talk therapy for long enough and you almost feel like you've hit a wall with a therapist that you really like and you don't know what else to do or where to go, but you still want more, that to me was a really great next channel for myself as I journey through working through trauma and through childhood stuff and through just everything that had to do with this pregnancy and being a single mom. And, you know, there was a lot of recurring thoughts of like crunching through the snow in Chicago with him being afraid that like we will be cold or we won't be able to feed him. I mean, there was these just really intense insecurities of like riding the bus and what if we get mugged and I don't know what to do and do I have everything? And so like, it's but those are the things that really, I remember it stressing me out, like just the little, little things like, you know, like what if I fall with him going down the stairs? Like, it's just like your brain and your mind just takes you to like another level for something that may be so, you know, insignificant or minimal to most people. But those are the moments I think, I mean, from my experience as well, that really like will take over. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't ever want somebody to tell me that I'm overthinking it or whatever. I want someone to honor where I'm at, which is why it's also important for women to like really, you know, stand up for themselves and find a different doctor if they need to. Like if you feel like your doctor isn't giving you the acknowledgement that you need for whatever thoughts you're having, then I think you should find a different doctor because I don't want to be told that my thoughts are not valid. I want to be validated and told that like we'll get through this and figure this out and maybe we need to explore medication or maybe we need to, you know, find different ways to move our bodies each day or whatever it is. But um, 
you know, as women and as new mothers, I think validation is probably the greatest gift we can be given, right? Well, thank you so much, Alexandra, for joining us, for sharing your story, for motivating us, for pushing us to manifest. We're just grateful for you today. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you so much, and I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Thank you. artistas favoritos participan en este juego donde no pueden hacer ruido. Cero Ruido VIP. Gran estreno. Domingo 9 de junio a las 7 por Univisión.